Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined tonight first by Mark Immelman. Mark, hello. How's it, boys? Uh, shake up atop the world's rankings. Yeah, it, To me, it feels like with all this mayhem and all this upheaval in the world of golf, everything seems to be settling down and the earth is back and it's tilted a bit better now, don't you think? Uh, Rory McIlroy, back to being number yeah. one in the world. All is right. Greg Ducharme is here. Hi, Gregors. What's going on, boys? Uh, I, I think that's really well said, Mark. <laughs> Things for the past couple of weeks have seemed to settle down a little bit. And this was, um, you know, a little icing on the cake, if you will. I'm really, really happy for Rory. So it, it's, it's a, a great day in the game of golf. Uh, finally, rounding out our crew for this evening. I think we've got him here. Kyle Porter, KP. Hey, bud, you're, you're seven minutes earlier than you said you were going to be. Oh, great. That's the first time that I've actually done that. So... <laughs> We started without you, and then I saw you were here, and I was like, "Okay, let's bring him. Let's bring him right in." There we go. It's over. Over. Uh, what's the phrase? You over, over promise, under deliver. And, no. Well, no. Under I think promise, it's the other way over around. deliver. I usually over promise and under deliver, so I flipped it around this week. <laughs> so good. Uh, all right, let me hit this promo real quick. First cut merch, twenty percent off for the rest of the year. I've told you, we've got etched glasses, we've got hats, we've got polos, we've got sweatshirts, we've got t-shirts. We've got stickers. We've got anything you could possibly imagine, and it's 20% off for the rest of the year. Maybe they're clearing out inventory for new stuff next year. I don't know. I'm not in charge of the merch. I know you just click the link in the description. You go and you put in the code FIRSTCUT20. If you're watching on YouTube, you can scan the QR code. Get 20% off. Stock up. Get everything uh, before it's sold out. All right, gents, CJ Cup. Hoochie Mama, Rory McIlroy. Three straight 67s to close out another successful title defense. Mark, let's just start there. Rory seems to have a knack for saying, this is my title. I'm not going to give it up so easy. Yeah, isn't it crazy? I mean, uh, to, to, to come back in his first start on the PGA Tour after the, the FedEx Cup, and obviously he played abroad a little bit, but he, he'd been, he, he just looked rested. And, and you listen to some of his comments early in the week, and it seemed like everything was just in order. But the truth of it is, to me, Rick, and it's almost from this time last year when you and I were in Vegas together, when there was just a little something about him. And it looked like to me he was gaining some traction with what he had been doing. And it's just been a steady build. And he showed up here this week and really never looked flustered. Even from round one when he shot five under, I think it was, and, and it really was a canter. There was nothing really too much going on. It looked like everything was in good working order, physically, mentally, the whole thing. And 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 it was really, I hate to say easy looking, but in a certain way, easy looking. Look, he did weather the storm a little bit today, but you have to do that to win. He made some good putts to start to sort of keep himself in there. And then when he just decided he was going to drop the hammer, he did. And that was around a stretch of holes, too, for the record, which are really not that easy. And he just has got that gear. And and it looks to me like he's found a way to find that gear a little more often than what he was in the past few years. That hammer that he dropped, birdies on 12, 14, 15, and 16. Greg, it was uh, two bogeys on 17 and 18. But by the time that dust had settled, he had given himself enough of a cushion. Yes. Um, and look, that that was really, I think, a really important stretch for him. Because there, there was a key moment at eight where he, he three-putted. Um, he missed about a four-footer. And I've seen Rory in the past. That uh, A moment like that has sent him sideways before where he'll, he'll miss a short putt early in the round 
I mean, you could that's that's more the middle of the round, but he's done that before where on on the front nine, he's missed a putt like that and it sent his round in a you know not a great direction. And this time he was able to settle right down uh, and then and then get hot again towards the end. So I, I think that's a sign, another sign. I mean, how many signs have we needed from his game? But uh, a, a really important sign that his game is in great shape. Uh, and and that's kind of the uh, emotional maturity of a of a Rory McIlroy now with his game, where he can handle situations that are thrown to him because he's developed so much trust in every area of his game, um, not just what he does off the tee, which was probably the highlight this week. But you just look at where he gained strokes this week, and I mean, it's through the bag. It's consistent. It's steady. And and this week, um, while it was great, it was not unique. Yeah, drove it very well. Gained nearly six strokes off the tee. Best in the field. KP, it's his 23rd career PGA Tour victory. And he said afterwards, quote, I'm enjoying the game as much as I ever have. Uh, If I could play like Rory, I would also be enjoying the game. But he's talking more about everything else that's been going on in the world of golf for the last 18 months. Yeah, he... um... It, it did seem like it, right? And I guess it's probably easy for it to seem that way when you're winning everything you look at. I mean, his I, I wrote this down, his last 15 starts worldwide. Second, fifth, eighth, T18, first, T5, T19, third, miscut. I think that was St. Jude. T8, yep. first, T2, fourth, fourth, first. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's He's got 12 uh, or 10 top fives in his last 15 starts. So, you know, I I think those things kind of feed one another, right? When you're playing, um, when you're playing tremendous golf, it's a lot of fun. And when you're having fun, it's easier to play that, you know, caliber of golf for top players in the world. Um, It it, it seems like... seems like he's just in a good place mentally, physically, um, just seems very locked into just golf, which is, I think a little bit ironic considering that this year has been about everything but golf. And I think it speaks to that. The thing we've always talked about with him where it's like, he's not, he's, he's probably more extrinsically, uh, motivated than, um, than from within. And, and that's not a, that's not a knock. I mean, there's so many, so many guys in other sports that have used, I mean, Aaron Rodgers does this, Michael Jordan did it where they use stuff, um, as it's different. Those, those guys use like slights or like things that were said about them or whatever. And his is more, I think like noble, like he's like writing for the sport of golf or whatever, but he's definitely, I think extrinsically motivated. And we've seen over the last year from the Ryder cup to the live stuff, to everything else in between, I think it brings out the very best golf in him, which, um, is obviously a ton of fun to see. Uh, you're so right, Carl, because there's no way that ne- uh, there's there's no doubt that necessity is the mother of invention, and with all the stuff going on inside outside of the ropes, I feel like it has galvanized the intention and the focus a little bit. But along those lines, too, um, you know, with someone because look, these guys are all talented, but then you get this handful of virtuosos. They're kind of generational, and there's no doubt he is if you look at the record and what he's achieved. And these folks, they see certain shots. And if they don't pull that stuff off, uh, then they don't really have the understanding as to how and go about do it some other way or do it the easier way. They still go about doing things. And the one thing that was struck to me was you could almost set your wristwatch on a draw shot out of him off the tee. But when he was under the gun today, he went to a fade shot off the tee on a number of holes and it only misfired really once. And that was down there on 11. Um, on 16 or 17, I should say, when he missed, the ball was overfaded. So, so to me, that sort of speaks to a whole lot of belief in where the golf swing is too and 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 when you're there uh, and you're hitting shots like you want then you can go ahead and play Rory McIlroy style of game and and if this continues because it looks to me like he's hitting putts too right on his number because the one thing about Rory and he's the one guy that's always quoted this and I've always it's always caught my ear where he will talk about really fast greens that sometimes the ball skids quickly off the blade and so kind of skids through the line you see and he misses a number of putts on the high edge but it looks to me like everything's coming out on line two so this is the Rory to me 
with that little fade at disposal, the draws there in the pockets, and, and the putts are going in. This is the guy that starts winning events by four and five and six. Um, when he gets to golf courses, he's really comfortable on. So I, I'm with you. I think the, the focus is, is, is in tune right now, and he knows what he's got to do. Yeah, he was hitting that. Sorry, Rick. He was hitting that low kind of uh, cutting drive off the tee, which which was which was really interesting, you know, for him to kind of he, he doesn't shape it as much. He probably could, but he doesn't shape it as much as some other guys like JT or Sergio or whatever. I, I, I don't I don't have this number in front of me, Rick. Maybe you can grab it real quick. But I think he deserves a lot of credit. And because we've been critical of this in the past, I think he deserves a lot of credit for his play from like what one hundred to one seventy five over the last um, nine months, twelve months. It's been I don't know if it's been elite. Maybe it has. I don't. I don't. It's Ricky, been, maybe, it's been but a- it's but it's been a lot, lot better. And that was where we what we kind of pointed at you know he, he he i think a little bit like dj has become kind of an underrated putter like he's a good putter and i think he gets this weird maybe social media misnomer of like oh i can't you know can't putt it's like no he's a really good putter and his short game is really really solid you know kind of like a um, i don't know if it's as as special is like a rom rom's got unbelievable hands he's got some really interesting shots around the greens but i think rory doesn't deserve enough credit obviously everybody loves the 380 yard drives but some of that other stuff that he's not really known for i think he deserves a lot of credit for especially improving that wedge nine iron play from from those yardages this is from last season obviously this was his first start so we haven't had we don't have those stats registered yet but from here's three okay so from 50 to 125 which is one of the larger buckets the pga tour has he's he was 22nd from 100 to 125 he was 19th from 125 to 150 he was fifth so you kind of put all those together and he's basically top 25 uh basically anywhere from call it 50 to 150 yards yeah. And I think the year before it was, I don't, I don't, again, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but the, the, that was not what they were. Uh, you have them right there, Rick. Yeah. I'll just uh, change the season. Yeah. He got, it was like Wells Fargo last year. He flipped a switch. So last year, or excuse me, the previous season, he was um, same categories, 130th, 141st. He was still pretty good from 100 to 125. He was second, but kind of closer than that. He was really struggling. Yeah. And, and and to that, it's it's not just the numbers, Rick, because the numbers just give you where the ball ended. I've had the luxury of watching it happen often, and the ball's getting there differently. It's they're high, they're low. He's varying clubs a whole lot more. And to me, you know, the it finally happened where I hadn't seen him, and I'd call him a few times here coming down the stretch um, in the playoffs, and at and Canada for the RBC Heritage, RBC Canadian Open. Forgive me, um, and the final hole today. He's sort of right on that number where for Rory from about 150, it's a comfy gap wedge uh, or comfy pitching wedge or really flushed gap wedge. And you could see that he picked the shorter of the two clubs and just went full bore. I have not seen him do that in a while. And you could see how the distance control went. Now, I can understand there maybe he's just scared of being jacked up, adrenalized and bashing the thing through the back. But everything to those numbers you're referencing, the balls flighted differently. They moved in two directions. It's a whole lot more creative and versatile. 23 wins, Greg, and 221 career PGA Tour starts. This one gets him back to the number one player in the world. Move over, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty drops to number two. Rory's name atop the official World Golf Rankings for the ninth time in his career. It's an amazing number um, to reach that mountaintop nine times. I'm sure he would like to hang on to it a little bit longer this time, but I really think he has that ability. I mean, you think back to before the COVID lockdown, what he did in 2019, he's player of the year. He starts off 2020 where every event was a top five and, and you know, he's snake bitten. He can't win, but he's finishing top five every week. And then COVID hits and it hits him pretty hard. It, you know, it, not the uh, disease, but it, you know, it hits him pretty, <laughs> the, the virus pretty hard. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Um, and, and all of a sudden he kind of loses some things. He referenced that he went down a path of distance and, you know, his coach, Michael Bannon couldn't get over here. He couldn't work with his coach. 
he goes with Pete Cowan for a little while and has his struggles. And it seems like now he's had about a year. It was the CJ Cup. He had announced this before the CJ Cup last year. Um, so about a year now, he's been back with his coach, Michael Bannon, and the results have come back very quickly. And I think that's a really important aspect to consider because this is the guy that he was with when, you know, each of the other eight times when he reaches world number one. So I, I think that's a an important caveat here. And and I also think it really will speak to the longevity of this, uh, of Rory's ability to stay atop the world rankings. I think he's going to be really hard to pass because he's got things kind of where they should be now. And this is a very good Rory, but it's not far from a baseline Rory, which is kind of amazing. I'm looking at the Rory McIlroy history as number one player in the world. Greg, Greg mentioned this. The last time he was number one was like February 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. Any guesses on how long he was the number one player in the world that that time? This the eighth time. Eleven weeks. <sighs> yeah, it was exactly eleven weeks. Did you look that up? Yeah, I memorized. <laughs> no, I just, I just, uh, I, I just wrote an article about him returning to number one. So I, I think I could go. I think I could go in order. I have okay. A, hold I have on. Numbers. Okay, we'll we'll do that. But uh, it's kind of it was kind of a trick question because it was eleven weeks, but it was really like five months because <laughs> because when they shut down that. the rankings, right, for like those ninety one days or whatever, they yeah, shut down. Yeah. They shut down those rankings. Okay, so that was the eighth time Roy McIlroy was number one player in the world. The seventh time, KP. Well, let me go from the top. Starting in 2012. Oh, you want to go from there. Okay, I got to flip my thing around. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, two weeks. Yes. Two weeks. Yes. Three weeks. <laughs> yes. Uh, it gets a little dicey after that. Uh, like 39? 32. 36. For a total of 39. Okay. Uh, and then like 54. Yeah, that's the big boy. So 54 weeks for a total of 93. That was from August of 2014, to August 2015. Okay. And then like one, one, 11, one or something. Yeah. He plays hot potato with Jordan Spieth back and forth one week at a time, uh, in August and September of 2015. So one as the sixth time, one as the seventh time, then we just got the eighth time that we talked about which was 11 and now we are at the ninth good job Kyle. yeah thank you the difference the difference now you you give the numbers i I'm sort of want to give the why a little bit in my opinion um he's just different around the greens and you saw some of that this week on fast just difficult greens to putt at that speed if you aren't sure of what you're doing he showed it off there and then around the greens that grass they've got around that place is so tight that if you want to hit little nipping wedges and stuff off there, you have to be awfully precise. And and, and when you're under the gun some, it's really easy to drop kick one and kind of not spin it because you don't want to skin a ball over the back of the green. And so to me now, he's got all these ball striking skills, which, you know, it's largely been the, 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 the signature of his career, the chef's kiss, if you will. But now the guy is downright good around the greens. And I wouldn't say he rivals Jordan Spieth, but he can hang in there. I mean, he had a bunker shot on uh, 15 today. That was, oh, yeah. that that was, was awesome. Sweet. I mean, that was sexy. And then the, that uh, that putty <laughs> made on 14 before that. This When he did that stuff, I'm like, okay, this is one-way traffic. Because uh, ordinarily, that hasn't happened in the past. And that, that's hard. what he did like uh, back in two, 2012. He was winning at Kiowa. And I remember, I remember this as a as a fan because I was hoping that somebody would make it close so we'd have a tournament to watch. And Rory just kept getting up and down from everywhere. He's making his four six footers. He's missing greens. Has those tight lies similar to what a different grass, of course, but but just like what you're talking about, Mark. And he's nipping them to four feet. He's hitting bunker shots from you know, 30 yard long bunker shots with force care and he's hitting him to six feet. And it was like, he was unbreakable, uh, uh invincible. And I, you kind of feel that you, you kind of feel that now again, which hasn't happened in a while. Okay. I want to talk to you as a golf instructor, cause you work with tournament caliber golfers, right? And, and, and the hottest yeah. seat to be on is the golf instructor to the PGA tour player. And, yes. and, and you all sort of know where your players strengths and weaknesses are. And there's certain shots when you're walking the rope and you're like, no stress, you can sort of turn away and talk to whoever. And then there's certain shots you hanging on every one. And after you three wax eights, and then misses that simple-ish look on nine. 
when he had four feet coming down the hill right to left on 10, uh, I was actually nervous. And I was like, oh, goodness, it could come unravel right here. And when that thing went in the heart, then you kind of knew, okay, it's plain sailing from here. Yeah, it was a big moment. I completely agree, Mark. I love it when Mark says one-way traffic. That's, that's my favorite of his. Mine, all his mine is uh, knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a two-way tie with knee-high to a grasshopper, and Mayor's that office. landed like a butterfly with sore feet. That's radio oh, wow. from way back in the day. <laughs> so to, all cataloged. to throw numbers on Mark's point, uh, 2022 was Rory's best putting season ever. Or twenty, I guess 2021, 2022, best putting season and his best season around the greens. So, you know, I I, I wonder if we don't look back on 21, 22 and think like uh, he should have gotten more out of it in terms of, of wins. That's, I don't know. I think that's probably fair for somebody like Rory that is graded on a different scale than everybody else, right? But... It's it's hard. I mean, he's finished in the top five and you know ten of his last fifteen events. It's hard to be critical of somebody like that. But I do wonder if we don't look back. I think if like if he wins the Open, then you're like, okay, yeah, like that, like the whole thing makes sense. Completely or if he wins, agree. If he wins the PGA or whatever, I I just wonder if we don't look back and think, man, could have could have gotten like a major or something something big out of that. I'll, I'll say this, and I'm not being a Rory Homer, and this is to your observation there, okay? I feel like this wraparound season has been kind of a watershed because in a funny way, he's learned to play small ball a little bit. You know, young Rory, when he came out, it was big high draws, just one directional, hitting it hard, hitting full-blooded irons, and then just when he's on, he just waxes the field. This year, he looks like he's almost become more like Tiger, and that he'll gear down off a tee, or he'll flat an iron, or he'll, 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 he'll sort of guts out that day when he doesn't have it, and still post 70 or 69 or 71 and keep himself in it. So this year, in as much as Kyle, you're right, he, he should have, maybe should have won more. I feel like this has been a turnaround and it sets up for you know a run of i don't know how long hopefully he stays injury free of some really good golf because he has the i'm at full flight the thoroughbred thing going on and he can also just grind out a win you you know and and we've seen him do that some too the days go ahead real quick i just want to are we moving on from Roy? i want to say one yeah go ahead put a bow on okay so the last thing is just the world number one thing uh it's you know, I was looking at the world number one list, obviously, Rick. And you think, <laughs> uh, you know, you have all these guys that you got Martin Keimer and Lee Westwood and Luke Donald and um, even Spieth and JT and Scheffler and, and DJ. And they have these little chunks where they're number one. It'll be Brooks Kapka's in this. Uh, it'll be a three year chunk or a four year or t- four is actually a really long one, a two year. Usually it's like two or three. David Duval was like a year and the longest were Faldo and Dustin Johnson were both three and a half years. You have three guys that have had like sustained number one, like they've had long gaps between when they were first number one and when they were last number one, those three guys are tiger who was first number one in 97. He was last number one in 2014. So that's, 17 years, which is absurd, right? You have Greg Norman, who was first number one in, I think, 1986, and then last number one in, I think, 1998. It was like 11 and a half years, which is, again, to, to I, I think people, I think it's really hard to sort of contextualize how difficult it is for guys to be number one, not, I mean, at any point, right? You're the best player in the world, but to do it, over a long period of time, whether that's six years or 10 years or whatever. And now Rory, who was first number one in uh, 2012, returns 10 and a half years later. So it's those three guys that are just kind of stand out above everybody else in the OWGR era, which started in whatever, 1985. Um, and, And I think that that's it's it's one of the more underrated aspects about Rory's career is that he's been the top 15 in the world for whatever 13 straight years he's been number one 10 years apart i mean it's just it's really difficult to do and uh, he's done it really impressively for a long time rory mcelroy the day started uh shaping up to be a duel with john rom greg 
And it ended with Rory basically unable to shake Kurt Kitayama. So Kurt Kitayama goes out and shoots a 67, uh, four under to finish one shot behind Rory. And we've seen this now a couple of times from Kurt, right? He had the really good finish in Mexico, another good win, good one at the Scottish Open, the Honda Classic. Now here, his name is getting much more prevalent at the top of some of these leaderboards. Yeah, and that's unfortunate if you're in the DFS community because uh, he's getting more and more recognition. But this is one of those guys that's a little difficult to predict when and where he's going to play well. And the reason is, well, he can anywhere. He he can play well anywhere, uh, and it's just a matter of when will he. And so that's what makes it kind of difficult to predict. But I watch him play, and he's got all the tools. He's got all the firepower that it takes. He was fourth in driving distance this week. Regardless, whether you look at it with the two drives or all drives, he was fourth in both of those categories. Um, he gained over three strokes approaching the green, and he, and he had a great putting week too. So I, I really like what he's done with the ball striking this year, and he's starting to get more and more comfortable being up on top of the leaderboards. And he's one of those guys you kind of look to every week, and and you you just keep playing him, and you're going to expect that every once in a while he's going to pop up. Um, but he's becoming more of a, more than a, you know, what I always call a popper. He's starting to get a little more regular up there. Um, you know, even more regular than Sepp Straka was before this past year. Uh, I think they're kind of similar in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I like what I see out of Kitayama. Yeah, yeah. I think for what, my opinion, for what it's worth, I, I think what you call airways hard to predict is a pretty good call, but um, I will say this, in Mexico, Rick, that you referenced, we were down there and I had him on the call in the final round. And his technique is sort of old school in a way where the club face is quite open at the top and he's got some hand action through the ball that kind of keeps the modern day Twitter golf instructor awake at nights, I'm sure, because they don't like that stuff. Um, but the one thing you can't measure is what's inside of his heart. Because that boy is like five foot, not very much. He's diminutive. He hits it a mile. And every shot when I was calling him that day that he had to hit, it's like he found this gear and he got up for it. Because I was waiting for him alongside Ram for Ram just to impose his like big Spanish will a little bit. And this boy with crosswinds and, and the golf ball that was coming out late right on Saturday was going to sort of capitulate some. Never did. And it sort of spoke to me about who he is inside. And today to go bogey free, final group, Alongside Rory, that tells you something about what he's got inside of his head and his heart. And so um, I, I'm expecting that the more he's put himself in this place, the more he'll start to believe that, look, I really belong here. Uh, maybe his one will come soon. Uh, 5'7 is what he's listed at on the PGA Tours website, 170 pounds. KP, uh, they threw up a, a graphic at one point today, and I think it describes Kirk Kitayama as one of like the greatest journeymen that we've had in golf in the last five years. He's made starts on 10 different tours. 10? There, some people don't even know that 10 different tours exist. They do. 10 different tours since 2016. He's the only golfer to have done that. Uh, and now really making inroads here on the PGA Tour. Yeah, but was was one of those the Mina Tour or no? <laughs> no, that's unfortunately not. No, there's still time for that, though, I think. He did play twice in South Africa, so. Mm. so was that Sunshine? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did see that. Uh, it's... Uh, how old? Is, I was trying. I was actually just looking this up. How old is Kurt Kitayama? How old do you think 20, he is? I have it. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, I memorized so can, it. Can you be a journeyman at twenty nine? <laughs> if you make ten, ten. If you make a start on ten different tours in five years, I think yes, you can be. He, uh, you know, he, he he had a he had a weird year, and you know, um, Greg was kind of talking about this with like him popping because he'll go like Honda Classic finished third, does nothing Mexico Open uh, until the Mexico Open T two, does nothing until the Scottish Open second, does very little until this week, and and finishes uh, you know in the top five. So uh, that's what you you know, we talk about this all the time. If you're, if you're trying to have a professional career, there, there are a lot worse ways to sort of go about it. That's a, that's a good thing to miss a bunch of cuts and then contend and miss a bunch of cuts and, and contend. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun to see him. It was fun to see both of those guys, him and KH Lee, both kind of in the mix alongside Rory and Rom. And it was, a I, I thought it was for me, a fun leaderboard on, 
a good golf course and uh you know in what was probably the the tournament of the fall at least to date and probably will go down as as the best event of of the fall 2022 john rom uh got off to a hot start three under through five gave one back on six uh made a birdie on 12 made a made a bogey on 14 mark it it was we were kind of gearing up for this big rom versus rory mcelroy duel and rom just didn't get the breaks, couldn't get the momentum going, at least for his final 12 holes or so. Yeah, it did. It was a little curious um, because he got off to that quick start, and he's the kind of guy that when he gets rolling, he really sort of builds on that. Uh, what struck me the most, and this is results-free, was when he got some bad breaks. Uh, there was one stage this year out there with John Rahm on the golf course where if he got a bad break, we'd take cover because the guy was hot around the collar and the temperature was continually rising. But he looked sort of strangely at peace with stuff that was happening too. And I found that interesting. And then I just thought he was kind of the victim of one or two poor breaks. And and the one thing, that ball plugging in the lip of the bunker on whatever that hole was, um, 12 maybe, or I, I can't remember which one it was, but that is so unlikely around that golf course. When we were there for Congaree last year, because they flashed those bunker edges, and the whole, whole golf course is built on like firm sand. And so for the, a ball to plug in the face of that thing is next to impossible. And I'm sure when he got there, he was like, are you serious? But Ram earlier this year would have seriously shown, you know, a bunch of aggravation, but he just kept on cruising. And just to me, sort of was not really as sharp as he could have been on the greens and what it's going to take to win. But look, he, he still looks good. If if, if that's John Rahm not at his very best and he's contending for titles, um, look out. I think the future is still very bright for someone who is the complete game. That plugged lie came on 14, the par three. He'd end up making uh, bogey there. Uh, Greg, I'm I'm a I'm a big buyer of John Rahm this year. Like I mm. think he's going to just have a massive year. I thought maybe he comes out and gets a win kind of immediately out of the gate at this event, but I I just cannot wait to see what he does in. I guess it's going to be 2023. I'm right there with you, Rick. I know. We're, I mean, you're not really going out on a limb too much saying that, uh, but but there is something and Mark. Mark alludes to this. I think his statistics allude to this, but there's something about him towards the end of last season that calmed down where early in the year it was, you know, it was explosive. The putting contest comment and, and it felt like watching him, like the weight of the, uh, the, the, the game of golf was just weighing on him and it was really heavy. Right. Every everybody's questioning his putting and his his short game and he's defending all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, and he's getting frustrated by it. And you could see that on the golf course as well. So so to hear Mark's point, I think it's really valuable uh, that he's calmed down. You also look at what he's done on the greens. The, it, the putter dried up over this weekend. Um, but really, the last three events leading into this, he, you know, he gained over seven strokes in two of them. Albeit they're not on the PGA Tour, but over five and a half and in three in a row, and he gained strokes again putting this week. Um, again, the weekend wasn't great, but I think it's a really positive sign for him going forward. And uh, uh, there's there's a lot to learn from this week, and he was right there and had had himself in contention, and I I love where he's heading as well. I, I will I will say this, Greg. Um, Final round of the Tour Championship this year uh, for PGA Tour Live. I had him and I think it might have been Colin Marikawa. And so on the range, I'm there before the time. And he's sort of lighthearted, just hitting some balls, chit-chatting. He's coached there, Dave Phillips, who he and I sort of came up together as young golf instructors on the tour. And so we're chatting. And so I said to him, so what's your schedule? And he talked about, you know, the lots of golf he's got left. And then he gave his opinions on this new schedule too, which is an aside. But anyhow, he, he spoke so fondly of the Spanish Open and how he was looking forward to going back there playing. And then I think getting that win over there, I mean, it was like an event that he had circled on his calendar and getting the win there, I feel like maybe it was that like, okay, everything's going to be okay with my year. Now the rest of it is just sort of freewheeling some. I, th I think the thing that's encouraging too is, you know, he, he at the start of this year, Rick, we talked about this. He was so good. I mean, he was... He didn't, he wasn't putting, so he wasn't winning, but everything else was just awesome, right? He was, he was as dialed in, and this is saying something because it's John Rahm, he was as dialed in as he's ever been. And then as the season progressed, uh, it got a, 
especially with his approach, like his iron play, it, it just got a lot looser. It wasn't, it wasn't what we saw at the beginning of the year. And I think what's encouraging about this week you know, he, he's played really well recently, wins the Spanish Open, win, uh, top bunch of top fives over the last two months. But it was a lot of like, OK, he had a great putting week, still not hitting it like he was at the beginning of the year. This week was more of a return. I think he was second from tee to green. He didn't hit his irons quite as good as you would, you know, you would like to see. But I thought... You know, especially the 62 was pretty awesome, but it, it it seemed like more of a okay, this is how John Rom plays, which is just lights out tee to green, puts it pretty well, and he's gonna contend to win golf tournaments. So for me, it was it was the finish, yes, but it was also kind of the way he went about doing it that uh, that I'm that makes me optimistic about um the next, you know, however, however many starts he has the rest of this year and going into 2023. You know, he's been kind of <laughs> thrown around his name's been thrown in there as the best driver of the ball in the game and i long uh, have a, agreed with this and part of that reason you look at these numbers and heading into this season he had only lost strokes off the tee in five events in his career <laughs> it goes back to 2016 that's a, that's crazy it's insane <laughs> that's absurd but this year from since the memorial which was in june he lost strokes off the tee in three events between the Memorial and the, uh, and the tour championship. So I, I do think something in that stretch happened and the iron play was a little looser, like you said, Kyle, in that stretch. Uh, but that that's a, an anomaly. That is not a common thing well, as, a, you know, as we just pointed out. Yeah. And, and you're in, and, and with him, as with all these top guys, you're comparing him to himself, right? It was, it was right. His iron, his iron play was worse in the middle of the year. But it was still pretty good, right? Compared yeah. to compared to everybody else in the world, it just wasn't kind of where he had been at in you know the start of twenty twenty two, and even you know going back to to obviously twenty twenty one, he was so good at um, at uh, Memorial when he had the COVID thing in the U.S. Open when he won, and so I don't know. I, I'm he he uh, he's always on the brink of a three year three win year, and that's what it always feels like. It feels like that again. I think I said he'd have five wins this year. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna make it. But uh, it, not a lot for me has changed about how I think about John Rom from the beginning of this year to the end. Uh, we got to call it out when we get a really good one, Mark. I I love Congaree. And give me the firm, give me the fast. These guys are begging for balls to go. No, no, no. I mean, stop. I mean, I don't, you know, they don't even know what they're asking for when the ball's in the air half the time. Yeah, it, it sort of, it harkens to me back, and I'm going to show my age here, but Ben Hogan one time was hitting golf balls and someone was watching him play and apparently all the balls are landing right next to the kid who's shagging balls for him over there. And and, and the one he hits it real close to the kid and the guy goes, what a great shot. And apparently Hogan whips around and he looks at the guy and he goes, how do you know that was a great shot? Goes, well, it landed close to the target. And he goes, it didn't go through the window I was envisioning. Mm -hmm. So he yeah. was talking about trajectory, right? And when you get to situations like this, you've got to move the ball through the air because it's not just spin because some of those conditions are just so firm that you can't spin the ball to a stop. Whereas on soft golf courses, you hit the ball one way. And everyone, whoever hits it the highest and the farthest on the week is, and makes a few putts is going to win. Where, yeah, there were multiple ways to get around there. Kiriyama hits the ball really high. KH Lee hits the ball quite low. Uh, Rory hits it high when he needs to. Uh, Ram hits it real high. So you saw all of these guys, Brendan Toto hits the ball sort of low. Um, but it, it, it essentially examined the field and said, who's going to hit the correct shot at the correct time? Who's not getting the good shot, but who's going to hit the correct shot and do, do that the most often? And then to your point, it's always interesting because the ball's supposed to roll. And when it gets to moving on the ground and, and all of a sudden it rolls and it catches the slope and it's off the edge of the green and you saw that on like number 10, the par three. I see a ball land on the green. Next, uh, next thing, they're chipping from 30, 40 yards away. Some folks will say that's unfair. I'm like, you know, middle of the green has never hurt anybody. And when you start to remember that, everyone listening to this will likely start to lower their score. So, yeah, this this Congaree place, when I first saw it, is awesome. And, and I have to expect that the more the players talk about it in the locker room, and now the Rory's and the Rams and stuff have been there, I uh, would not be surprised if this one finds itself a fixture on the PGA Tour. 
Mark, you think all the people have to do is hear you say that and everybody's going to start <laughs> aiming at the middle of the green? Because I've well, been telling I, myself to aim at the middle of the green for about six years. <laughs> Greg, I've been, need, I've been a voice in the wilderness since like not <laughs> screaming about this stuff. I'm <laughs> I need to hear it pretty much every day. So I, I would appreciate you continuing to say it, Mark. <laughs> well, I'd have to put it on a loop and in an earpiece on every shot. Right. Just like well, as I stand over the ball, like Mark saying, just go to the middle of the green. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've got like, you know, 190 and a back right pin. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I can like carve one in here. <laughs> and uh, that's not, it's, it's, it's absurd. Like it's not reality. And Go so zone. Yeah. Go zone. <laughs> I, can, I can just hit a high cut here, you know, back, get the pin like three, three paces off the back right. Don't don't say Mark said. Just say Trevor's brother said. Or the <laughs> <laughs> that's, too, that's too many syllables. I'll stick with Mark said. Uh, my favorite part, Greg, is the extra two feet of run out that every single putt gets. So when these guys who always run it two feet by get that extra two feet, now no comebacker is easy. None of them are tap ins, and they got to give the full on attention to every single one. Yeah, it, it um, you know, it, it's a funny thing because there's that that extra bit of trick in the greens uh, it, it makes it really difficult to putt aggressively so it affects the first putt a lot um, but on the second putt in one in one essence you don't have to make as big a stroke to make a four footer so it's it should be easier to make four footers but then in the other side on the other side of things there's a little more break in them and all of a sudden you got to start playing these four footers outside the hole uh, and pace matters where you know normally if you're inside five feet line is more it's a rare occurrence where where um, you know line is less important than speed but when you get on these really fast greens that changes a little bit and on the other end of every one of those four footers is a potential four footer coming back at you if you're not or more Uh, they keep keep adding up in that way uh all right kp let's let mark kind of brings up something interesting like what's next for congaree right it hosts this one-off palmetto championship it hosts the cj cup but the cj cup has now gone through five different golf courses in five different years like do we see this again anytime soon it does seem like they're uh Remember how Workday was like the default sponsor when they needed one? Right. I was just going to say, it feels like a Workday event. It when you need, like when you need a course, call Congaree. Yes, yeah, the default uh, golf course for the for the PGA Tour. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm already in the camp that there's there's uh, there's too much going on. Like I I don't and and I think that what we're seeing develop with the elevated you know, events and, and that whole schedule would indicate that the tour, or at least the players, the top players on the tour agree from a business standpoint that there's too much going on. So I just don't know, you know, do, do we know what next fall is going to, is going to look like? I mean, we don't know, we don't know anything right beyond the tour championship next year. I'm with you. I like it because it's different. It doesn't look like, you know, especially in the summer, you go to the rocket mortgage, you got all these places and it's like, I, I don't know, man, like this looks like the same course, you know, and, and Congaree doesn't. And I know it's not, I know some people have criticism about it, but as a, not as a, as somebody who's not like steeped in architecture, I just like that it provides even like, uh, what was the drivable part for, uh, f- uh, 15, 14, 14? No, 15. uh, 15. 15. Like you can hit a bunch of different shots there and like Rom missed left, but he could get up and down and Rory missed short and he had to hit that crazy bunker shot. And I don't know, just stuff like that is, is really interesting. And, and I enjoyed it. And I hope that they, I don't, I don't need 48 week or I don't need 48 events on the PGA tour, but I would like for uh, one of them to be replaced by Conquery because I, I like to watch that golf course. Um, I hear you, Kyle, and I, I, the, the, the schedule, it's a lot of golf and a number of the big players are talking about it. But last year when we were at Congaree, I, I remember Dustin Johnson getting the freedom of the state or whatever, and the governor of South Carolina was there. And they had come off a run where we had the PGA Championship there, um, and then we had, of course, RBC Heritage and then the, the Palmetto Championship. And they are loving golf in their state. And when you've got the governor showing up at PGA Tour events and the commissioner is there too, uh, they are lobbying hard. And, and, and 
I don't know for certain, but I heard a lot of conversation over dinner one night that they really badly won a President's Cup as well. So uh, it remains to be seen. This is not breaking news, but I have heard conversation to the effect. Uh, Mark Immelman, breaking news uh, that breaking the President's news. Cup will be headed to Congaree. Uh That would be cool. That would be cool. Okay. Any final thoughts, gents? We've got to recap our, our bets and then we'll get out of here. But anything else on CJ Cup, Congaree, or anything in between? Okay. Fair enough. Here we go. Uh, we are going to go over our best bets for the week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. And we're back. Okay, Troy, do we have uh, that first graphic? Okay. Oh, boy. This is still me being the only one in the black. Although, Kyle, I think you had a winning week. Maybe not. It was close. I did. You did. Yeah, you did. Yes. Okay, yes. So you had Russell Henley over Mito. That did not cash. But where you got picked up big time was Tom Hoagie top 20, which was your finishing position and... I'll spoil the next part, your money ball. So you doubled down on that and got it right. Yeah. Hoagie was, you know, he, he, uh, he, he was solid throughout the week. I'm going to, I'm going to keep riding Tom Hoagie. He's playing really, really solid golf. He is like low key, kind of a, like in the mix for the Ryder cup next year. He was just outside the president's cup this year for the American team, obviously playing the best golf of his career. And, uh, he, he plays, he still plays great in, in big time fields like this week was. So, uh, I think you finish two shots inside the top 20 and, uh, cash that one. This, I feel like this graphic is a little misleading. Like the outrights are almost never going to hit. Right. So it's really, you're looking at the first two columns for ones that, that should be, you know, hitting every week. Kyle, I want to say this. I, I make lists. I'm that sort of a guy. Um, and I've got a list, most underrated flushers on the PGA Tour, underrated ball strikers. And Tom Hoagie is up there on my list inside of the top yeah. few. He, he can go. I'm, when, when, he's, when he's hitting balls, I stop and watch. He's that who, good. Yeah. Who else is on that list, Mark? Underrated flushers of the PGA Tour. Henry? Off the top of my head, well, Matt Jones was on there, but he's no longer a PGA Tour guy, so I had to take him off. He's um, on a different list now. Yeah, he's on a different list entirely. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like when I'm when I call golfers and stuff, and they do stuff that I'm not really expecting, because you can sort of plot golf courses for guys. And you see everyone sort of hit the same shot to the same place, but then certain guys just do it differently. Uh, and Hoagie is one of those. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler and Sung JM were your outrights, KP. Any, what what level of concern is Scotty Scheffler at this point? Uh, I, Zero. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, I, I think one thing we underrate is like it's been an and uh, uh, Trevor was talking about this with Tom Kim, and he was like, man, he's just like worn out, and you're like, whoa, Tom Kim's like twenty. And it's like, well, it's not physically, it's, it's mentally and emotionally. You're just cooked. Right. And I think we underrate the emotional and, and mental toll that a year like Tom Kim's or like Scotty Scheffler's takes. I think Scotty Scheffler needs to like not play golf until the last week in December. And I, so I don't, all that said, I don't have any concern about where he's at going into 2023. <laughs> Uh, all right, Greg, you can get, provide the analysis here for Patrick's picks. Patrick has a problem. He keeps picking a matchup against Tom Kim, and it is not working. We tried to warn him on Tuesday. This time it was Cam Young over Tom Kim, and Tom Kim said, uh, hey, no thanks. I'll just go out and finish T11 again. 
Maybe he's watching and, you know, like we were talking about with Rory, is this extra motivation? Patrick keeps picking against me in my, uh, in, in his matchups. <laughs> has he gone in too far? How is he going to get out of that? Is, is he going to have to just kind of bend the knee to Tom Kim and say, I'm not going to bet against him in a matchup again, or is he just going to yes. ride it out? Yeah. He has to beg for forgiveness and yeah. never do it again. It's the only way. Keith Mitchell. Top- bend the knee. Keith Mitchell, top 20. Nope. Victor Hovland and Jordan Spieth outrights. I had Jordan Spieth as one of my outrights, Greg. Uh, he did the Spieth-y stuff on Thursday, which he made a bunch of birdies, made a quad, and then I don't think I saw a shot from him the last three days. Yeah. Um, the Spieth one was tough. That was a It was a really uh, tough performance out of him. Um, Hovland, I had a lot of concerns about heading into the week. We talked about it on Monday. Sia brought up... Um, you know, the short game concerns. And this golf course to me is is exactly what Victor Hovland would fear in a way. Not that he can't handle it, but it just, that one would have worried me. I, I'm okay with the Keith Mitchell play. I, I really like Keith Mitchell. Um, always watching him. Is this, you know, could, could the driver alone carry a player? We saw driving be really important with Rory and Rom and some of the other guys, even Kitayama, even some of those other guys up near the top of the leaderboard where they had really good driving weeks and end up near the top. And so I can see the that's the one play from Patrick, even hit that I could kind of um, understand and get behind. And I guess Spieth being a second outright, I, I can uh, I can get behind that, too. Uh, my second outright was Terrell Hatton. So I had Spieth and Hatton. I had Emiliano Grillo to finish inside the top 20. Did he lose strokes putting? Okay, he finally did. He lost four strokes putting for the first time in, what was it, Greg? Eight weeks, nine weeks? Oh, a long stretch. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was really impressive. A lot of it wasn't on the PGA Tour, though, right? Uh, it was all on the PGA Tour. Okay, pretty good. Right? Because he hasn't yeah. been anywhere else, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, wait, I thought we pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're talking about Hatton or something? Sorry. Talking about you're talking about Hatton? Oh, you were talking about Grillo. Oh, 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 I missed you jump to Grillo. I'm thinking Hatton, who's, I think, also been putting pretty well. Anyway, my mis- clearly a mistake. That's I'll, okay. I'll take, the, I'll take the L just like you did. <laughs> That's right. I'll take the W here. Matt Fitzpatrick over Scotty Scheffler is my matchup. So, Troy, if we can flip back to the standings real quick, uh, that's what they look like. I'm up 30%, and we've got some work to do in the other areas. But we've got money balls, which look a lot better. We're going to hit those after a quick break. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Uh, Mark, we have uh, yet to have you participate in one of these. We're going to have to get you on on a Tuesday so that you can get your name on the on the board here. Uh, no, I participated in one, and I... I thought I had some really good picks and not one of them hit. So I was like over a hundred dollars. And so I was like, if I'm not going to be on the Tuesday show, I'd love my name removed from this thing, but I do want a one and done recognition somewhere. Uh, Speaking of real fast, I got my list here. I did text it to you guys. I've taken Jones off underrated flushes, Hoagie, Norrin, Xander, Boo Weekly, Shane Lowry, Keegan Bradley, Max Homer, Lucas Glover, Tom Kim. Really good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Lowry, so, Lowry, mega underrated. Yeah. Mega. So he, Glover, he's, too. He's not He's not kidding. This is, this is an actual note he shared with us. Uh, I'm assuming from your iPhone. What do you keep this on your iPhone? Yeah. No. I, so, so when I'm out there and I'm like, wow, yeah. I'm going to make a note of these guys. Yeah. And it says underrated flushers. And who <laughs> weekly is on there, huh? Boo Weekly can freaking hit. Oh, yeah. Tell you. I just, <laughs> it just seems like, well, when's the last time you saw him play? Uh, yeah, recently. I can't, I can't really? remember. All I hear is like, 
hey, Mr. Mark, <laughs> there's beer uh, bag. I'm like, what are you doing here? Just <laughs> flushing it. Yeah, yeah, just flushing. <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for that. Moneyball, uh, KP, you, as mentioned, got there with Tom Hoagie, which now, yes, sir, gets you out in front. You're in the lead with the Moneyballs. Uh, 12% positive ROI. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, I, I struggling elsewhere. So this is this is good to see. Don't worry I about need, that. I need I need some more Tom. I need Tom Hoagie to play every tournament the rest of this fall. Just keep just keep rolling him out there for me. Um. So yeah, you're 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 fine too. You're not losing money. Correct. I'm now even. So I had Adam Hadwin top Canadian. The only other Canadian in the field was Corey Connors. Corey Connors was, I believe, six shots better. So my money balls alone are now even. Patrick, I had to text Patrick about this. Patrick said, I'm just going to take Rory McElroy to be the first round leader at 16 to one. And he was <laughs> one shot off the pace. And if you hit a 16 to one with your money ball, that gives you a lot of leeway for the next, you know, couple of months. So this uh this happened in our slack last night i want to read this i have no consent to do so from patrick but that's Perfect. okay this is this is hazing he's still he's still a newbie at, at cbs so he he wrote the round three recap saturday night rory you know uh one of our editors said everything was rory 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 and then you predict him to lose in the last sentence and Patrick said, twice the price, I'm rocking with uh, John Rahm. And uh, then he said, it pays, to it pays to read to the very end. This is what Patrick said. And then he said, actually, with the way my bets have gone, it may actually pay not to read. <laughs> Self-aware. Okay, I like that. I tell you, like three weeks ago, Patrick had a lineup that was... And he hit everyone. He hit like across the board. I was like, this is this guy was on it this week. And then the next three weeks, it you know, don't I guess it pays not to. He read. started picking on Tom Kim. Everything once he started picking on Tom Kim, his world crashed. Well, I he's mean, he's a, not a rookie corner, Tom Kim. He's, he's in a Tom hard. Kim vortex. He's just he's just getting just beaten up by 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 Big Tom. It's it's <laughs> tough to watch, and we keep we keep trying to tell him like, hey, don't. It's like, hey, Stephen Ames, don't don't say that to Tiger. Right. Like, don't, don't don't say anything. Like, we keep telling him, and he's like, yeah. I'm I'm good. I got this one. Yeah. And it's like, like, I don't think you do. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. You're a grown man. Make your own decisions. Um, gentlemen, we're headed to Bur I've got I already got some Bermuda facts. How about this? Do you know how many golf courses are on the island of Bermuda? Five. Mark thinks four. Greg thinks five. Kyle thinks two. The answer is eight, gentlemen. Oh. All right. I guess and I'm the winner. <laughs> okay. And because it is only 20.5 square miles, it is one of the highest concentrations of golf courses in a country in the world. What do you think about that? Pretty cool. Um, a couple of them are really cool golf yeah. courses too. Port Royal's great where they're playing this week. So it's uh it's a cool island. It certainly is. I was way back in the day when they used to have the PGA Grand Slam of golf where the four major champions would go play. So at the time I was uh, teaching Trevor when he went as the Masters champion. Man, it was nice. And I think they were at the Mid-Ocean Club that year. Uh, but all hilly and sort of nooks and crannies around these golf courses right on the ocean. It's, it's gorgeous over there. It really is. Port Royal, which Greg mentioned, will play host to the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. And it's the longest course on the island. 6,800 yards. It's like the shortest course on the PGA Tour, which is why, Kyle, Brian Gay has had nothing but a feast every time he goes there. <laughs> Yeah, he he hits driver while everybody else has to hit four irons, and so it doesn't run out into the into the sea. Uh, it's uh, into the triangle. <laughs> I'm just here for the win. I need I need them to dial it up to to like 40 miles an hour. That's that's what I want to see. And it's early finishes. It's great. I, I, I Bermuda week is is good because it's early finishes. Get to enjoy the football. It's it's fantastic. Anything else? Going once, going twice. All right. 
That'll do it. DFS preview on Monday for Bermuda. Tuesday mega preview pod, obviously your Sunday recap. Big thanks to producer Troy, does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman available on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme can be found at the real GFD. Kyle Porter right there at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 